The big question is, what are the top entrepreneurs doing to get more sales, dominate their category, and how can you get the same results without chasing likes and comments? It's time to flip the script. This is the Virtually Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Louise Corbell. Please subscribe. Let's get started. Hey boss, it's Louise and thank you so much for pressing play and today's episode is a little different. We had a great conversation on a podcast called The Recognized Authority with Alistair McDermott and I thought you would enjoy the conversation we had. So today's episode is coming to you from The Recognized Authority. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and today my guest, I'm delighted to say it is Louise Kerville. And Louise helps coaches to become virtually famous by creating a category of one. Louise, can you tell me a little bit about what that actually means, creating a category of one and, <laughs> and, and what you do with that? Actually, yes, I love it. And uh, thank you so much, Alistair, for having me. And yeah, we actually do uh, a few things. When we say famous, famous is actually my framework. And my framework is, is, is how I differentiate myself from everyone else in the actual marketplace. Not only that, when we actually look at businesses, we look at their frame, well, a lot of you know, online businesses, uh, or coaches don't actually have a vehicle. And I know we've discussed vehicles before, but the vehicle is what you're taking people through. And that is your framework. And if you don't create a framework that you become known for, then you're just like every other coach in the marketplace. Now, why I love working with coaches is because they really need this help when it comes to the messaging of their business. I don't really work with people who have a vehicle that is maybe summits or Instagram or any of those, those are platforms that they, that's becomes their vehicle with coaches, your framework becomes your vehicle. And so this is how we actually help coaches is building that framework and also the actual offer that creates a category of one. So the offer is part of that framework. Okay. So, so can we get into what actually a category of one is? Does that mean that you, you know, you're creating a new segment of the market? How do you think about that? Yeah, as we know, we've been online long enough to know that there are three different categories. Those are the major categories. It's health, wealth, and relationships. And then everybody started creating subcategories from that. And then from there, they started niching down and creating other, you know, mini categories of those categories. And what happens is, is that it eventually becomes saturated. It, it's inevitable that it becomes saturated. And so everybody starts running towards that, that particular, you know, um, vehicle that, and what happens is, is that it becomes what we call a commodity. Okay. So then you start being into, you create a commodity product. And I come from an industry uh, the eyewear industry that actually lenses are a commodity product. And so it's really hard to, you know, sell against a commodity product. Once you start selling toward a, a commodity product, it's a race to the lowest price. And, and then your messaging has to be different. It has to differentiate and it can't be better. Okay. So your offer 
That's why your offer is so important. Your, your offer will differentiate you as well so that you are actually not doing an improvement offer. You're doing a totally new opportunity. Okay. That's really interesting. So, um, so not better. And, and I assume not cheaper either, because those are the, the two kind of commodity. You don't want to be, you, you don't want to claim to be cheaper because that's just the race to the bottom. Um, I've seen this before in, well, in, in several different industries. Um, one I know very well is the, the web design industry where, uh, the bottom end of the market is, is always being eaten away at by, you know, um, you see ads on TV for build your own website. So the people at the bottom of the market who are competing on price, um, they're, they're one side of them is being taken away by, by the do it yourself website builders. And then they're not in this kind of place where they can move up the food chain. So I think is, is that kind of what you're talking about here? Absolutely. There's no way you, you're, there's no, there's no, uh, what, how does it, um, I think it's Dan Kennedy that says there's no, uh, there's no, uh, a competitive advantage to being number two when you're in a commodity product. So you want to get out of there and, and that's with, there's two ways you can do that, especially online as coaches and consultants is that you want to create that framework and you want to create the actual offer that will differentiate you as well. So those, those are the two key components of uh, creating that. Okay. Can, can I ask you then, because I think framework is pretty self-explanatory, but we will dig into that a bit more in a minute. Can you just talk about an offer that differentiates? Like, What does that actually mean when you talk about an offer that differentiates you from the market? And when you are actually looking at building your offer, we, we want to look at not only your program, or how fast your program allows your client to achieve. What you're trying to do is also look at how can you, you know, the time factor. Okay. And if you looking at time and effort, if you can reduce time and effort in some way inside of your offer, then that will, you know, get them a faster result. And so if you're looking at creating, so one of the things that you know, we did inside of virtually famous category of one is that we were helping people with their messaging. And once we were helping with, with, with their messaging, we understood that they didn't understand how to sell their, their component. They didn't know how to sell their framework. And so that's when we started pivoting more to helping them do that. So that we created a service inside of our coaching. So we're building out that whole service side of it so that people who want to do a um, web class or a master class of some sort will help them build that and will help them understand what needs to happen in the psychology of selling so that the, it converts properly, but we'll also put it in slides for them and we also design the slides. So we've that's what we've done, just to give you an, a, an example of how we're taking our, our coaching to another level. Okay, so um, so I've, I've, I think of this, and again, this sometimes goes back to the like websites, and there's different different um, different industries use this, but I think of um, do it yourself DIY um, done done with you, and then done for you, and it sounds to me a little bit like what you're talking about there is creating a done for you package uh, to go along with your done with you or your or your do it yourself. Yeah if you can do more, uh, the, the work for them to get that, 
because everybody, you know, what do they want? They want, they want more time or they want more money. So how can you help them achieve that and, and take something off their plate? And sometimes we look, you know, we're looking at offers and when you're actually doing a webinar, that's, that's a huge piece of everybody's business when it comes to doing a webinar. And the thing is, is that we find that we're working inside our business and we're constantly thinking about our business. And what happens is, is that those thoughts just go around in a circle in your head and there's nobody to pull them out of you. And what we do is we actually pull your thoughts out and then we put them down and we clarify them so that people can understand them. And then also gives you confidence that you're creating something that people will benefit from. And not only that is that we understand that we need to get people away from what, you know, overcoming their beliefs with the stories that they're telling. And that's half of the the battle when it comes to, you know, some of these coaches who are coming to us. And, you know, every time you're in your business, you start to see what people need. And that's when you need to to pivot or not maybe so pivot, but that's when you need to kind of take charge and grab that piece so that people do get the result that you're guaranteeing. And so when we, when we work with clients, we want to make sure that, yeah, you've got your framework, you've got your offer. We understand your offer. And then we want to be able to make sure that they can sell it. If we don't give them that piece of it, that, that doesn't help them. Uh, it, it gets you, it gets them, you know, on the field, but it doesn't give them a, a goal, you know, in that sense. What we're trying to do is, is not, we're trying to complete the whole process. And you'll see that in your business. When you're creating your offers, you'll see, you'll start to talk to your clients and you'll see, yeah, you need to start creating this service over here to help them get the result faster and easier. Right. And, and so when, when you're creating an offer with your clients, you're looking at the kind of the, the transformation, the problem that they solve, and you're looking at how can we help, how can we help your clients as in when you're talking to your client, how can you help their clients to get faster results? And then how can you create messaging around that? Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's, that'll, the, between your framework and your offer, that could actually differentiate you from anybody else. And not only that, it, and people always immediately think, well, if I do that, then, you know, it's going to cost a lot of, you know, my pricing is going to have to go up and that's okay. Because what you really want is you want to have your pricing so that it can cover your costs of building that team out. And, and the more that you're building your team, the more you can help them. So it's kind of, it's a revolving. Not only are you building a result for somebody, but you're giving them a result because you've got the ability to back them up with with a team that you're building. Right, and and just on that, like, um, is because I I imagine that some of the coaches that you start working with are solo. Do you get resistance from people about building a team? That's something that I find when I talk to solo consultants and, and coaches. They don't want to hire anybody else. They want to do everything themselves. Can, can you talk to me a little bit about what you think about that? Well, I think that the uh, the book that they need to be reading is The E-Myth. And um, what you don't want... 
you know, just because you set up business to make uh, cakes, you don't want to be making cakes all day. What you want to do is hire people to uh, to bake your cakes and so that you're working on your business, not in it. And so as you grow, the more, you know, you're going to have to, to help people, um, with your result, then those people, you need to hire out and train those people. Once you have the processes in place, it's easy to hire. So, you know, you give three people the same, the same task and, uh, and you see who's the best of those three people. It's quite simple. Um, believe me, I came from, when I was hiring sales reps, uh, it was a much bigger task. Your business is only going to grow if you've got other people doing the, the other parts of your business, whether that's social media, whether that's whatever it is that, you know, that you can help them with, whether that's, you know, emails, whatever, um, you, you know, that your consultants are doing, then you want to be able to help them. I think that building a team is, is, is important and imperative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd agree with that. And I think that it doesn't have to be a huge team. Like you don't have to hire a hundred people, um, but it is useful to have people uh, like in a way I think of it as buying back my time. So I'm, I'm training up somebody in, in how to do one particular task that I used to do. And then I pay them for that. And now I'm no longer doing that. And I'm, I, I have now have more free time to work on other things. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. Um, I think it is something that's important for, for growth and also to help disengage from the uh, time for money connection that a lot of people are kind of stuck in um, trading time for money and never, never being able to get off that, that kind of uh, hamster wheel or that tread, treadmill that, that they're always doing that. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So we're, we're talking about category of one and, and when you're, when you say category of one, does that mean then that, that, that if you implement this, that you clearly stand out against everybody else? Like there's nobody, nobody even looks like they're doing what you're doing. Like how much, how, how differentiated, because I know people talk about, you know, red ocean, blue ocean, all that kind of stuff. Um, what, what does it look like when you're a category of one? Well, when you're trying, you're building out a category of one, it's, it's, it's about, I know you're the blue ocean, red, you know, red ocean. I get that. I get that. And, but when you're actually, I'm building that out in your, in your business with your framework. Okay. Now it starts with your framework, but then what you're doing is you're actually using your, uh, unique marketing mechanism. So um, what's a unique marketing mechanism? So when you're looking at, um, a unique marketing mechanism would be something like what um, P90X did. P90X was a at-home, work-at-home, 90-minute workout. And what they did was they they went to market and it failed dramatically, drastically. It was a real failure. And so they went back to the drawing board and they, they changed one thing and it was their unique marketing mechanism, which was muscle confusion. And so that, that became the novelty within the P90X, um, messaging. So the messaging is their particular, uh, word wording. Um, I like to call category stacking. That's my word. Those are my words, category stacking, offer stacking. Those are things that I tend to say a lot. And also the, it's when you, when you're like famous is my framework and actually virtually famous is trademarked. 
So it is a, it's, uh, it's five months taking it to register, but that particular framework is, is very different from whatever other people are doing. And so what we're looking at is, you know, having an, an opposing um, opinion. One of the things that, you know, a lot of people do is call, they call it throwing rocks. They throw rocks at the subcategory that's above them. So I might throw rocks at like people who, you know, are doing courses. Courses are, you know, that's a category that, that people are purchasing courses and what they're doing, all they're doing is they've got more information, but they don't know how to assimilate it into um, an actual direction. They don't know how to get the result from it. All they've done is created more information in their head and nothing comes out of it because of the fact that they don't have any help to do that. And so when we take clients on, we only take two a month because of the fact that we're so deep inside their business that, and we're pulling information from their head and their mind so that we can actually understand it. And if you're just, if I were to put out a course, for instance, then people would not get the same result because they're still working in their business as solo entrepreneurs. And that was, that's one of my hashtags. It's circles, not silos. And every time you actually, you know, hire a coach to help you, then they will get you a better result because of the fact that they're not in your business. They're giving you, you know, guided expertise. And I think that is the difference when it, if I'm opposing anything, it would be courses and why buy another one? Because you're not, you're still getting nowhere because it's just more information. Yeah. And I, I find it really interesting, you know, when people, and I do it myself, you know, I buy a course that I'm in a topic that I'm interested in. I have a quick look at it and I say, I'm going to look at that later. And then I never go back to it. And I, it, it's, you know, we, we take in an, an awful lot of information and, um, and, and I, I think that where courses can be really good is they sort and organize information and make it, um, you know, they put order around it in a way that if you just Googled it and you, you know, you went through it yourself on Google, you'd be using up a lot more of your time. But I think the issue for me is, is do I actually implement and where's that accountability part? So, so I, I, I agree with you. I think that, I think that, um, courses, you know, standalone courses in particular, um, are not so valuable. And, and I think the accountability part, uh, particularly of, of having a coach, but even if it's peer accountability, but some kind of accountability is really important. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, there's, there's, um, there's companies, not companies, but, um, I, I, a couple of girls are actually created this this accountability thing where they you basically you show up on a Zoom call, you say what you're going to do, and for two hours you work on it, and then and then at the end you you get uh, you get the actual result. You know, did you do it and did you get it done? And that's just accountability. They don't coach through the whole process. They just give. It's just accountability. I, I think that's brilliant, and, and I've actually seen that. And and one of one of the people in my um in my mastermind group has suggested that I do it for the mastermind group. So I said I'm going to give it a go. Um, I've seen that from one of the former guests on on this podcast, um, Rob Fitzgerald, and um, he he has a book called Write Useful Books, but he's also got a community around that, the Write Useful Books community. And what they do is is once a week. Actually, I think they've got several different um, options, but if you're a member of their community. They'll they'll talk for five five minutes at the start, talking about what they're actually going to write, and then they're going they're writing their book uh, for the next you know forty five minutes, and then they say at the end what they what they did. 
And I think that's genius when you're writing a book because, um, you know, books are very easy to get put on the back burner when you're writing. So I, I believe me, I'm writing one right now and it's, uh, it's virtually famous and, and it's, it's a friend, it's my framework. And, and that's the beautiful thing about a framework is that you can actually write a book with your framework. Yeah. And, and okay. So, so let's, that, that's a good segue to dig into that a little bit more. So let's see where, where I want to start with that. Um, okay. So you talked earlier about, about vehicle and I know that you use the word vehicle in a very specific way. Can you, can you talk about what you mean by vehicle when it comes to what we're talking about here? Well, the actual framework. So famous virtually like the famous is an acronym and that is my, my vehicle. And so when, you know, if we're a mindset coach or a, if you're a mindset coach or it's more, it's, it's, it's not as easy as being a Instagram coach. And so when you're a mindset coach, how do you differentiate your, your message from everybody else? Well, that's creating your framework and we, we help you pull that out of you. And so the other thing we actually want to do when we create that framework is obviously get, that's the, that's the first thing that we do is pull the framework out. And then we usually make it into an alliteration or an acronym. And that's for a reason. We want it to be memorable and um, repeatable and, and portable. And so when we actually look at creating a framework, is it going to, is it going to be easy for you to remember it, but also your audience? So that's, that's the key. I use a lot of frameworks in my business, like the ELF framework. ELF is, is the way when I sit down to write any, uh, any sales copy on a page, I always use my ELF first hit, hit the emotion. What's the emotion that I'm trying to evoke. And then what I do is then go after the logic because people, you know, buy with emotion, but justify it with logic. And then what you want to do is then the third part of that whole uh, sales page, if you look at it in thirds, the last piece is fear of missing out. And so whether that's you, you, you know, your doors are closing or certain bonuses are going away, it doesn't matter what it is, but that's what you're, what you're trying to do is just create those frameworks. So it makes your life easier and it makes your audience for it as well. Yeah. So I have created a framework and it's kind of a model of how I see um, how I see a, a certain progression that people make when they're building authority. And I call it the authority maturity model. And that model, it's very similar in, to anybody who's familiar with the software world, the capability maturity model. Um, but what I, I, where, where I think what you're talking about is different here. The, the model that I see is just representing what I see out there in the world. It's not talking about how I think things can be changed. So it's not talking about how I think you should go from step stage to stage. So um, I think when you're talking about a framework, you're talking about something that actually identifies the problem and identifies the, the, the transformation, the solution. Is that right? Yeah, um, that is the preference and not everybody can do it but at least you have frameworks inside of your business. And so one of the things that I, I do a lot of research, I'm always looking at marketing. I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to marketing messages. And one of the things that I noticed was um, this mattress company. Now, mattresses are in a very, very 
um, commodity market, right? So they are, there's so many mattresses out there and big companies who have them. And one of the things that they've done is, uh, this particular one is, is they called it eight sleep. So obviously, you know, that what they're trying to get you is eight hours of sleep, but they took what they, what they did was they did a category stacking. So here's the category stacking that I'm talking about. They took from the actual Fitbit, Fitbit industry, right? The actual, you know, um, walking and such Fitbit. And they added their own sleep tracking to the bed. And they obviously their bed is, is temperature controlled. So that, that was an, um, that was a definite difference, but the Fitbit made it a, a totally different category. And then what they did was they added a third one. So if you're looking at it like a, uh, what a Venn diagram that it would be, you know, the Fitbit, it would be the mattress cooling system. And then they would also have, they have a digital component to it where they have actual coaches on sleep. So that was the other thing that they actually did. So there was that category stacking that they've done. They've also done um, an alliteration inside of their inside of their Venn diagram, and I I will try and remember what it is, and I don't know if I can. Um, but they actually have three components: performance. They actually have a three P formula, so um, that that would that's an actual framework as well. Okay interesting yeah and and like they clearly they clearly stand out from from everybody else because they've got this active cooling um you know a lot of manufacturers will say that their mattresses are cooler or whatever but they they've got this you know some sort of active system um and it's interesting so it's kind of like what they're doing is they're intersecting you know that that, that diagram the 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 intersection gets smaller and smaller every time they have another intersection they rule out another class of competitors. Yes. And so it becomes, it becomes really tight. So they become the only one that does this, this, and this. Right. Yeah. And they also, so their, their messaging is all about performance, potential, and productivity. Everything is, everything is wrapped around that. So every time they, they, they write a blog or if they do anything, it's always going to be around those three pieces. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that then gives them the content because this because I think about, you know, the content that people are creating in terms of building authority. And I think about the cornerstone concepts. I think Jonathan Stark calls them solar system because he thinks of the different planets that you talk about. Um, that's his way of, of representing these things. But having these different topics that are like your core topics. And um, that's that's a really great way because they've got that framework so they can they can say, you know, these are the, the, the three sections. So that is something actually, actually that they already do with the authority maturity model because there are distinct um, points. So I do use that to create content. Um, but I, I want to come back to the, the framework. Do, is, is your framework, the, the frameworks that you're creating with your clients and, and for yourself, does it actually take take the um the client of the framework does it take them through a progression does it take them you know step by step through or how do you think of that is that something that you try and build in absolutely so it, your framework can be and obviously once you start creating frameworks it becomes like you start having frameworks inside of your frameworks and so inside of that framework is your 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 
signature framework or your famous framework is your process. It's your steps. And then what we try to do is we understand what I call the BEFTER, the before after. So if we understand the BEFTER, where they are now, where they are, where you want to take them, then we can understand what word we're, we're actually building. We're building a, mm -hmm. you know, a word that makes sense. Um, if we can't get it there, then you do what Sleep 8 did and put it into a process inside that Venn diagram. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're, so you're looking, so, um, you call it the BEFTER. So that's basically the, the before state is the, the problem. And then the, the after is the, the, uh, the outcome. And do, do you have, uh, do you have something in there that talks about the actual solution itself or is that kind of baked in? So, so when I think about this, I think about uh, problem, solution, outcome in, in, in that kind of step of three. Um, and that's something I talk to people about uh, when they're creating content about the, you know, focusing on the problem with your content or focusing on the solution or focusing on the outcome, the transformation. Right. And so the, the famous framework is, is, is obviously um, what I, I think I know what you're, what you, what you're talking about. I think we talked about it before a little while back. But it's, it's, I call it a doodle. Um, and so a doodle is basically where they are right now. And they're, they're the best kept secret online. And then they go into most of my clients are in the second frame of that, which is a commodity. I call them commodity coaches. And then the third one is they start to create demand based on the, with, with their messages. And, a good, a good example of demand and how you create that is exactly from your guest from two episodes ago with Chris Walker. He is, that's that whole demand and how you're using your messaging to create demand. And then the next level is you're going into that category of one based on that particular framework and your offer. So your offer has to be in there as well. It's got to be different than everybody else's. Yeah, yeah, really interesting. Um, can you talk to me then about your virtually famous framework? Can you can you tell us a little bit about what what that looks like? Is that something you can talk about? Well, I yeah. If I were to start with just the framework and not the famous, if we're looking at the famous, we create that framework with the alliteration and the um, acronym, like I mentioned earlier. It needs to be memorable, portable, and repeatable so that people will remember you for your framework. Uh, you also need to have some opposing opinion in there as well. Then the unique marketing mechanism. And then the last part is the solid point of view or selling your framework. So it's that solid point of view that is different than everybody else's. So as you can, as you know, you don't have to be pro prolific that you're, you're not way out there that you're, you know, so different, but you need to take a stand. And you have to take a stand against something and for something. And so, as you mentioned, you and I are probably on the same page when it comes to taking a stand. We don't believe in the course part of it as much as we believe in the coaching part of it or having more done for you or with you. It's going to be much more successful um, end result than if we just leave them on their own doing it themselves. Yeah, yeah. Another, another example, something I take a stand for a lot on this podcast is the concept of specialization of niching down or niching down. 
And uh, that's something I talk about on probably at least half of the episodes on this podcast. It comes up, so um, so it's come up again. <laughs> but uh, that's something I believe very strongly in. And then something that I would take a stand against is this dependence on referrals that a lot of people have. I think referrals are actually dangerous and can be bad for you. Um, and uh, that's, that's something that people may disagree with and I'm happy to go into that <laughs> but not today because we're going to run out of time <laughs> so um okay so so let's see um is there anything that you wish you knew before you started your business and doing all of this well I when I started my business um that was my problem my problem was finding my vehicle and now it's my solution so that was that was the big thing and and I remember I bought a course and then I went out to California for their live event and and I remember you know and it was James Wedmore and I remember him saying we were in a in a, a separate meeting with um Rick Mulready and he said no it's the vehicle that's the piece that you know and you need to find your vehicle before you can do anything and, and that was that was a l- long journey, a long journey. And so what happened after the vehicle was, you know, I couldn't find it. I, I just couldn't find and Like, I didn't want to build anything. So I built a an agency and it's Blink Digital Marketing. And we started building out sales funnels for people um, because the offers were, you know, the people were coming to us and we were tr- building out there and integrating everything for them. But when I asked them for their copy and their their messaging, they didn't have it, and that's when I started saying, "Oh my goodness, you you know you need this before you ever come here and do this." And so uh, that that's when I started helping people find their the, the their vehicle, their framework, and the, everything happens for a reason, right? And so that was when I started building out virtually famous because of the fact that I saw something that was needed. I saw there was a pain point when we were building out the, this one particular author's funnel and they put copy inside the, uh, the actual funnel. I was on the page. I was like, Oh, oh okay. So I went in and I just did all their copy for them. But you know, copywriting is an expensive sport. <laughs> you know, that's, that's expensive. And, and I was doing more copy inside of actual funnels and and creating their offers. I was doing everything for them. It wasn't just the integration of the actual funnel and, and building out their offers. So that you you see a pain and you that and I started filling it. Yeah. And and copywriting is expensive because it's really valuable. It's a really valuable skill and uh, and it's hard to get right. So yeah, I, I'm 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 with you there. Um okay, so I, I just want to ask you again, just so I get a soundbite. What is the number one tip that you would give somebody who wants to build their authority? Build a framework, period. Yeah. If you have a framework and, and that becomes your unique, you know, unique positioning in the market, that's that's the key is, is having that framework and virtually famous. Nobody can use that. It is trademarked. And so you can't touch that. And neither should be anyone be able to touch your framework because it's your proprietary uh, product. Yeah, and and um, and that's something you know that that we've mentioned before. Um, I think was it episode twenty? Uh, Aaron Austin, um, whichever episode that was, was on the podcast talking about intellectual property, and and she would be uh, a big fan of what you just said. So, um, so okay. Um, 
Is there a business mistake or failure that you've experienced that you can tell us about? Building the wrong business. What that was what, what happened. <laughs> Actually, I used to have my first entrepreneurial venture was I did eyewear for the film industry in Toronto and I, I built a business thinking that it would be fun and it was the most boring business I ever built. And so you have to look at whatever you're building that you're you got to look at it as a long-term, really long-term. I mean, five years from now, are you really going to enjoy what you're doing? And that's the key when, you know, I could talk about marketing all day long. I love marketing, but building that was very, it was very um, time intensive. A lot of sitting around film sets, you know, act, you know, fitting actors and such. It was, I mean, it was kind of cool, but at the same time, it was extremely boring really interesting because <laughs> some people would be saying oh i'd love to do that but you know um yeah i think when when you actually start to do these things that suddenly the the glamorous becomes mundane very quickly yeah it's not like you do your job and you go and for the most part you were like sitting around and waiting for for scenes to finish to fit them and um i remember matthew perry fitting him for eyewear and he you know it it was like an hour or two hours sitting in this hot warehouse in Toronto and it was supposed to be fall and he was sweating to death. He's <laughs> like sweating. <laughs> I got to touch him behind his ears. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's interesting. Well, that's the first, you know, real um, celeb mention that I've had in this podcast. So, um, yeah, there you go. You get, get kudos for that. Um, so, I, you did mention the e-myth already. Um, is there a business book or resource that's been important for you? Is, is, is the e-myth the one that you would choose there? Or, or is there another book that's been important for you in terms of business? The e-myth uh, promise is, it's a very good book. But um, my, my go-to book, and I go back to it several times. I mean, I still go back to it. I've had it for years. I've done coaching through um, Russell Brunson. Is the uh, Expert Secrets. It anytime you're like thinking about something inside of your business and he's got an answer for you in that book, you can go back to it. The second book I would suggest is Play Baker with um, Christopher Locke Ahead. And What's that one? Chris, um, Play Bigger. That's it. That, Play Bigger. Yeah, he's, cool. yeah, that's a good book too. The first part of it's really good. There's four guys who wrote, wrote it, but um, Christopher, Christopher Lockhead's the one I, I always follow i follow him on linkedin and uh and his podcast cool um and do you read fiction no okay is there a favorite tv or uh, movies that you kind of like to spend time with i'm the type of person that if i don't like to think because thinking burns calories and so i'm one of those people that if i find something i like i i binge watch it and i'll sit and watch mm -hmm. it um, in the evening when I'm not working and, you know, the, there's something to do, but I have to do something like that because if I don't, then I'll, I'll be thinking about my business 24 seven. So I have to stop yeah. that or go out with friends or something like that because I will think yeah. about business constantly. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a binge watcher because I don't want to, I don't want to make decisions. If I, if I'm going to sit down and watch something, I just go to that and, and stay there. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's why I, I read fiction, because it's the only way to turn off the business part of my brain. <laughs> yeah. So it, it kind of stops that. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. So um, we got to wrap it because I know that you've got another call in four minutes. So I want to uh, to make sure we get, get you off in time for that. So if people are interested in learning more about you, where should they go check you out? Go to louisecorville.com. Cool. And we'll have that link in the show notes. Great. Awesome. Louise, thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, it was, it was great fun, Alistair. I appreciate it.